Hello, my name is Ebony Clark, and I have been attending Rolling Hills for about 10 years. Um, I live in Lake Oswego, and I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Um, in my day job, I actually uh, serve as the director of Multnomah County Behavioral Health. Um, and also just finished up two terms uh, on the Oregon Board of uh, Licensed Clinical Social Work and was the chair there. So um, that's what I do. Um, I also have a consulting business called Clark Consulting and Coaching. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, feel free to email me at clarkconsultingandcoaching at gmail.com. Today, I have the honor and the privilege to step into conversation and talk a little bit about the power of God's love and how his love can be a catalyst uh, for us to get to a place of unity. So my session is titled Unity Through the Power of God's Love. Today, my hope is that um, this session um, is really going to spark curiosity as we talk about unity through the lens of the Christian faith. Um, today, I want to be able to touch on how brokenness plays out through judgment and discrimination, but specifically highlighting how God's image, as God's image bearers, there's forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation. God has given us a set of biblical tools and a roadmap to be unified in the body of Christ. Again, what I hope and what I pray for is that it not only does this pique curiosity, but also encourages exploration um, for you all to, to leverage uh, your faith and your belief in the Bible um, to, to use God's gifts and talents to help us be the bridge um, and help us uh, address the, the divide that we see play out in society specific to race and cultural differences. Um, and my prayer is that, um, that there's going to be conviction and through conviction, there's transformation and healing. Before we get started, um, I always, today we're actually, I'm going to kind of push the pause button every now and then for some points of reflection. And so to kind of set the tone or to provide a level of context, what I like to do is um, for us to take a minute and to, to reflect. What experiences in your life have been most influential in the way that you see people who are different than you? Um, and I'll push it just a little bit more in terms of in the way that you see people who are of a different race or ethnicity. So let's just sit with that for a minute. Were there familiar kind of norms? What social norms? What experiences, again, shape how we navigate uh, interactions with those who are different from us? Have, have you ever experienced um, a time or place in your life, whether it was... Um, in your youth or in your adulthood of not feeling, not feeling welcomed 
or not feeling a part. How did that make you feel? What was your response? Did you, did you kind of withdraw? Did you react? Did you want to run? Did anyone else notice? And besides just anyone else noticing, did anyone intervene? What were some of the emotions and feelings that came up for you during that time? Was it rejection? Was it pain? Did you feel inferior or less than? Did you feel invisible? And I think it's important for us to to sit with that a little bit. Because as we take a deep dive into this conversation, really starting to unpack the issues that we see play out specific to racism, judgment, discrimination, and oppression, those on the other side of it oftentimes do not feel welcomed or apart. So with that, I'm excited to begin to speak into this in terms of really highlighting how uh, how we see brokenness play out in the context of judgment, discrimination, and, and racism. You know, and I think as, you know, a believer, we oftentimes um, hear so many stories of, um, of the brokenness and, and the result of our sin. But, you know, I always like to kind of, again, set the context in terms of um, just being clear in terms of defining, you know, some of the things I'm going to be speaking about today. So I want to take a minute to really unpack the word brokenness, because it can mean a lot of things. But simply put, it is the messiness and the imperfection of man as a result of sin. Brokenness is being torn in the spirit over sin. Broken people are a result of sin and judgment, discrimination, and racism. Again, are examples of the brokenness that we see play out. And, and those things are also the ways that Satan uh, works to, to deceive. Judgment, discrimination, and racism are a result of uh, Satan deceiving us into acting acting contrary to Christ. And I know, you know, um, you know, I just think it's such a blessing. Um, and at the same time, it, this opportunity just really is powerful for me in terms of just really seeing how God works. Because if we think about the issues right now that are really at a head that we see um, at the forefront of what's going on in our society, specific to um, racism. And, and, and let me actually be a little bit more clear of that specific to institutionalized or structural racism, um, you know, and we see that within so many systems, whether it's within our criminal justice system or law enforcement education, um, in our, our government systems, and even in a lot of the systems that we seek help and support from. 
So I want to, you know, just again, define a couple things. So when I talk about judgment, I'm specifically talking about the opinions that are expressed as facts. And so again, opinions expressed as facts. And so how often do we have judgment that just goes in and out and just runs course through our mind? And it's just um, these, these facts or thoughts that often are not always necessarily grounded in truth, but yet we are so uh, driven by judgment. And then when we talk about discrimination, I'm specifically talking about unjust or prejudicial treatment um, of different categories of people, especially on the grounds of race, age, and gender. And then this other word that I've been saying, racism. Racism, the definition of racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. And whether we're looking at discrimination, judgment, or racism, um, I think it's important to understand that these things play out consciously and subconsciously. And, you know, I think it's important for us to remember uh, when we think about uh, the human brain and the human mind, we're, we're wired to judge. Um, we're wired to find um, kind of short shortcuts to um, get to a place of understanding or resolve. And so it's important for us to think about how does that, again, play into our thoughts and our experiences and perspectives um, when it comes to people who are of different races or ethnicities than us. Oftentimes, as Christians, we compartmentalize judgment, discrimination, and racism uh, in terms of like, oh, okay, well, that, you know, we don't do that because we're believers. And so, you know, that's that's for the non-believers. And so it's easy for us to um, separate ourselves from that. Um, you know, I think again, um, you know, I, some of you might be feeling that, you know, structural or institutionalized racism is a strong term. Um, but you know, again, that's a word I'm going to keep throwing out, uh, throughout the course of our session. And it's important for us to think about how we reinforce it, uh, in society, thinking about it from kind of a, um, a corporate perspective, and um, again, as I said, it's easy as Christians or believers to say, no, that we aren't a part of that because of our hearts. But um, dominant, the majority of individuals in America identify as Christian and the majority of individuals in America are white. And so then what does that say then in the role um of uh, kind of continuing to reinforce these issues specific to structural racism. And, you know, actually just a little tidbit, that's something that I have to reflect for on myself even. So even though I'm a black woman, um, I work for the government. And so um, I have to constantly, you know, um, do my part in thinking about 
how am I reinforcing some of these um, racist policies or, you know, practices? And so um, just want to throw that out there. So the other piece that I think is important for us to think about is God's kingdom and, and, and what did God's kingdom, what did he intend for his kingdom? Um, was it just a certain set of folks? What, what does that mean? And so I'm here to tell you that God's kingdom includes people from every tribe, every tongue, in every nation. And I think that that's something that we've heard so often as Christians. But but what does that mean? We all know this and many of us believe it, but again, it continues to be a stumbling block. Scripture views humanity as a single race. Um in Acts 17:26 it says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of all earth, of the earth. So what does that say? The Bible emphasizes unity of humanity as God's image bearers. In Genesis chapter five, verses one and two, it says, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were recreated. So as, as God's image bearers, we are all equal. We are all equal in dignity, dignity and in worth. And at the same time, we have all fallen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so again, this is something that's not new to us as believers. And, and we've heard this time and time again. And so as I spoke to, and as I said earlier, then how come this continues to be a stumbling block for us? I think it, it, it goes back to this piece as humans, we are broken. As humans, we judge, we oppress. We have racist tendencies. And so I think it's important for us to kind of step back and think about how do we understand that sin? And, you know, how often do you equate racism with sin? Um, Naturally, as human beings, we tend to slice and dice. Why do we... And who told us? So if we go back to, to scripture and it talks about we are all equal and we of dignity and worth, we are all made in the likeness of God, then why do we slice and dice? Who gave us that authority? Who told us to slice and dice and to put people in categories and to determine who is superior versus less than? It's a result of sin. It's the cunning lies and deception of Satan. God sees one race, and that's the human race. We are all made in the likeness of God. God created man in his image. We must not be silent. 
We must see people as God does. First Samuel um, 16, seven says, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm going to say that one more time. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Wow, that's powerful. And it's it's pretty straightforward, right? What gets in the way of us being able to speak up or to speak to others who are different than us? So I want to take pause and just let you reflect a little bit. Um, and I should have said this earlier at the beginning. Um, hopefully you have um, your notebook and your um, taking notes because also um, I'll have some key questions at the end of this session. So just take a minute and jot down kind of what's coming to mind for you in the moment. So as I think about what gets in the way of us speaking up, what gets in the way of us um, authentically seeing others who are different at the same level, um, to me, I think it's, you know, it, it plays into this, this dominant culture norm, um, that again has roots that are embedded in, in, in structural racism. And, and, you know, I think we have to go back 400 years, you know, um, to understand that, or even go back before then to understand that. So really, um, you know, what I really want to talk about today um, is how can we respond as Christians to um, to interrupt and to speak into and speak against these issues specific mm-hmm. to judgment and racism and discrimination? How can we live out our faith when it comes to um, to these issues? How do we have the courage? How do we have the, how do we have the boldness? Ephesians 4, 2 says, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Hearing that makes me think we must change the way that we listen. Um, and, 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 and when I say that it's, it's how do we listen from a place of humility and openness we must love everybody the way Jesus does. John 15, 12 says, where Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Those are some, you know, basic tools. You know, if we truly have the heart of Christ, then why is it so difficult? So today, Um, you know, I also want to kind of walk through some basic tools, biblical tools, um, that can help us build, uh, what I like to call muscle memory to again, uh, begin to leverage, uh, the gifts that God has given us, um, and leverage what we're commanded to do as Christians, um, to interrupt the issues of racism and discrimination. 
And so, you know, I think that, you know, there's some basic kind of uh, things that we can um, kind of consider or there, I think of there's this roadmap essentially that I like to talk about in terms of beginning to really lean into, um, you know, how we want to show up as Christians in, in these issues we see play out. So how do we become aware and acknowledge? How do we lament? How do we confess? How do we ask for forgiveness? And how through repentance do we get to a place of reconciliation? We must open our eyes to hear and see, to be aware and to acknowledge. You know, oftentimes I've thought about why is it so hard to acknowledge the roots of the painful roots that we have in America specific to, to racism. Why is that so hard? If we read and go back and look at all the stories account for our history, why is that so hard? And then why is it so hard to acknowledge that in present times we continue to see people impacted by racism. And so really beginning to acknowledge and raise awareness. And so starting to try to figure out what are, what's, what, what's the thought process and the work, the heart work that you have to do to kind of open up your eyes and not be blinded or deceived by Satan to at least be able to admit and acknowledge that past and present, we are impacted by racism. And then lament. We must lament. Lament is the expression of grief or sorrow. And I believe it's a tool that uh, God's given his people um, to navigate pain and suffering. Uh, Lament enables us to petition for God to help deliver, deliver us from distress, suffering, and pain. Um, and we see this, uh, lament play out in examples of this all throughout the Bible. So we see it in, um, Psalms, there's 42 songs of lament. Um, and then, uh, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, uh, also is an example where we see lament. Um, and that's specifically found in scripture, Mark 14, uh, verse 36. And then there's this other piece of confession and naming. We must name and confess the sin and indiscretion specific to racism. We may find ourselves doing this individually and or at the corporate level. Let's take pause for a minute. So thinking about the importance of awareness and acknowledgement and thinking about the role that lament plays. I want you to just reflect and I'm going to ask you a question that I want you to write down in your journal. I want you to write and talk about something that you want to confess as it relates to racism. It can be something from your childhood, something from your youth, it can be present day. So let's just take a minute. 
to think about that and write. And I know it can be a scary thing to confess and to admit that there have been times that you have participated in acts of racism, whether it's at the individual level or at the corporate level. And let's check in with ourselves. How are you feeling? You know, are you feeling pain, emotional pain, sadness, guilt, shame? What's coming up for you right now? But then the question is, what are you going to do next? So let's get into forgiveness. So in Ephesians chapter four, verses 31 and 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's the answer, right? You know, so a lot of times what comes up is shame and guilt. And so how do you work through forgiveness to get to the other side? Reflection point, pick up your pencils. I got a good question. This one is a good one. How do you forgive when those you are trying to forgive continuously hurt you? How do you forgive when it just keeps on coming? And I think that that's an important question because whether it's at an individual or a corporate level, whether it's conscious or subconscious, we see that same continuous cycle as it plays out specific to racism, oppression, discrimination, and judgment. But we have to remember that Jesus modeled divine forgiveness for us when he took it upon himself to carry the burdens of all evil and sin and injustice of the world, then willingly suffered and absorbed the wrath that we deserved. He forgave others in the most, or I should say this, excuse me, forgiving others is the most Christ-like act you can do. However, forgiveness is costly. It's painful, yet transformative in its life-giving. But forgiving is painful. Just think about a time where you might, you know, have been wronged, betrayed. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm going to give this as an example, um, you know, because I guess what I'm trying to do is um, evoke some of the emotion so we can kind of get this experience. So um, imagine, you know, that you're married Uh, You've been married, let's say, uh, I don't know, seven years, 15 years, 25 years. It doesn't matter how long you've been married, right? And um, you experience some issues of infidelity. And and let's say that it just continued to happen. But yet 
you were asked to be forgiven. And, you know, again, if we are rooted in our faith, then, and we have the heart of Christ. And so you forgive and you continue to move forward, but it's painful, right? And it's hard. And so, you know, let's translate that to racism. So imagine, you know, that you're a person of color and you continuously experience these conscious and subconscious acts of racism, whether it's just simply going to the grocery store and you're standing at the deli counter and um, you were there and it was first or you were up next, but yet everyone behind you was served and didn't no one say anything or you were turned down for a job because of your skin color or your kids were treated a certain way because of their skin color or you were denied um, a place to live because of your skin color or you were stopped by the police because of your skin color or you were told that you are just an angry person and you need to figure out how you're going to let God change your heart. But really, it's the pain that you're seeing as a result of continuous, the continuous indiscretion of racism. But you continue to forgive, right? Even though you continue to be subject to the pain and the hurt. So I just think that that's something um, for us to think about. We must receive grace from God and extend it to others as well as, as, as we all struggle together to be transformed in our heart. So now I want to talk a little bit about reconciliation, uh, specifically racial reconciliation. Racial reconciliation is the ongoing spiritual practice of seeking, lo- seeking, loving, liberating, and working through a life-giving relationship with God and one another and striving to heal and to be transformed specific to the racial injustice and brokenness within ourselves, within our communities, within our institutions, and in society. And in order to get through into a place of reconciliation, we have to go through a process of acknowledgement, awareness, confession, lament, forgiveness, to get essentially to a place of healing, peace, and unity. The Bible says that if you are a Christian, you must be a reconciler, a reconciler. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. That's Matthew 5, 9. The spirit, the fruit of the spirit. But for the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. How can we practice this? How do we use the fruit of the Spirit 
to respond and to interrupt the sins of racism. We must be on guard for the deception of Satan. First uh, Peter chapter four, verse eight says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Healing comes through salvation of Christ and the power of God's love. Let us not let the sinfulness of judgment, discrimination, and racism become barriers that are often self-imposed, become barriers between God's plan for us. God can take what has been broken and remake it into something better, something that he can use for his glory. How do we do that? So, so in conclusion, I have a set of questions. And these are some questions that I'd like you to ask yourself as you determine how you're going to step into action. First question, if we are all created in the image of God, what does that say about racial diversity? What does it say about the nature of God? Next question. Even though we barely scratched the surface, we are really just, in my opinion, having an informal conversation. What have you felt today? What have you learned? What are some of the biases you hold that affect your perspective of race? Another question, can shame and guilt lead to repentance? How does the gospel address our shame and guilt? And how do we use the gospel to not let shame and guilt be tools of deception? Why is confession important? in the work of reconciliation. Will you let God transform your heart? Have you forgiven yourself? How does being reconciled to Christ relate to our being reconciled to each other? So I'm so honored to have time to speak with you today and to be a part of Encourage. What is courage? It's the strength in the face of, it's to have strength in the face of pain and tremendous grief. Courage is required to begin something. Courage is required to step into our fears. Courage gives us the ability to put aside our fear of failure and to take those first steps. Courage helps us to overcome rejection and to begin to to step into the path that God has defined for us. So in closing, let's be encouraged. Thank you.